Chapter 4, Part 18 of Famous Stories Every Child Should Know. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Famous Stories Every Child Should Know, edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Chapter 4, Part 18. Undine by Friedrich Baron de Lamotte Folk. Part 18. Of the Knight Hulbrand's Second Bridal. Were I to tell you how the wedding day at Ringstetten passed, you might imagine yourself contemplating a glittering heap of gay objects with a black crepe thrown over them, through which the splendid pageant, instead of delighting the eye, would look like a mockery of all earthly joys. Not that the festive meeting was disturbed by any spectral apparitions. We have seen that the castle was safe from any intrusion of the malicious water sprites. But the knight, the fisherman, and all the guests were haunted by a feeling that the chief person, the soul of the feast, was missing. And who was she but the gentle, beloved Undine? As often as they heard a door open, every eye turned involuntarily toward it, and when nothing ensued but the entrance of the steward with more dishes, or the cup-bearer with a fresh supply of rich wine, the guests would look sad and blank, and the sparks of gaiety kindled by the light jest or the cheerful discourse were quenched in the damp of melancholy recollections. The bride was the most thoughtless, and consequently the most cheerful person present, but even she at moments felt it unnatural to be sitting at the head of the table decked out in her wreath of green and her embroidery of gold while undine's corpse was lying cold and stiff in the bed of the danube or floating down its stream to the ocean for ever since her father had used these words they had been ringing in her ears and to-day especially they pursued her without ceasing the party broke up before night had closed in not as usual dispersed by the eager impatience of the bridegroom to be alone with his bride but dropping off listlessly as a general gloom spread over the assembly bertalda was followed to her dressing-room by her women only and the knight by his pages at this gloomy feast there was no question of the gay and sportive train of bridesmaids and young men who usually attend the wedded pair Bertolda tried to call up brighter thoughts. She bade her women display before her a splendid set of jewels, the gift of Huldbrand, together with her richest robes and veils, that she might select the gayest and handsomest dress for the morrow. Her maids seized the opportunity of wishing their young mistress all manner of joy, nor did they fail to extol the beauty of the bride to the skies. Bertalda, however, glanced at herself in the glass and sighed, ah but look at the freckles just here on my throat they looked and found it was indeed so but called them beauty spots that would only enhance the fairness of her delicate skin bertalda shook her head and replied still it is a blemish and i once might have cured it said she with a deep sigh but the fountain in the court is stopped up that fountain which used to supply me with precious beautifying water if i could get but one jugful to-day is that all cried an obsequious attendant and slipped out of the room why she will not be so mad asked bertalda in a tone of complacent surprise as to make them raise the stone this very night 
and now she heard men's footsteps crossing the court and on looking down from her window she saw the officious handmaid conducting them straight to the fountain they carried levers and other tools upon their shoulders well it is my will to be sure said bertalda smiling provided they are not too long about it and elated by the thought that a hint from her could now effect what had once been denied to her entreaties she watched the progress of the work in the moonlit court below the men began straining themselves to lift the huge stone occasionally a sigh was heard as someone recollected that they were now reversing their dear lady's commands but the task proved lighter than they had expected some power from beneath seemed to second their efforts and help the stone upward why said the astonished workmen to each other it feels as if the spring below had turned into a water-spout more and more did the stone heave till without any impulse from the men it rolled heavily along the pavement with a hollow sound but from the mouth of the spring arose slowly and solemnly what looked like a column of water at first they thought so but presently saw that it was no water-spout but the figure of a pale woman veiled in white she was weeping abundantly wringing her hands and clasping them over her head while she proceeded with slow and measured step toward the castle the crowd of servants fell back from the spot while pale and aghast the bride and her women looked on from the window when the figure had arrived just under that window she raised her tearful face for a moment and bertalda thought she recognized undine's pale features through the veil the shadowy form moved on slowly and reluctantly like one sent to execution bertalda screamed out that the knight must be called no one durst stir a foot and the bride herself kept silence frightened at the sound of her own voice while these remained at the window as if rooted to the spot the mysterious visitor had entered the castle and passed up the well-known stairs and through the familiar rooms still weeping silently alas how differently had she trodden those floors in days gone by the knight had now dismissed his train half undressed and in a dejected mood he was standing near a large mirror by the light of a dim taper he heard the door tapped by a soft soft touch it was thus undine had been wont to knock when she meant to steal upon him playfully it is all fancy thought he the bridal bed awaits me yes but it is a cold one said a weeping voice from without and the mirror then showed him the door opening slowly and the white form coming in and closing the door gently behind her they have opened the mouth of the spring murmured she and now i am come and now must thou die his beating heart told him this was indeed true but he pressed his hands over his eyes and said do not bewilder me with terror in my last moments if thy veil conceals the features of a spectre hide them from me still and let me die in peace alas rejoined the forlorn one wilt thou not look upon me once again i am fair as when thou didst woo me on the promontory oh could that be true sighed Holdbrand and if I might die in thy embrace be it so my dearest said she and she raised her veil and the heavenly radiance of her sweet countenance beamed upon him trembling at once with love and awe the knight approached her 
she received him with a tender embrace but instead of relaxing her hold she pressed him more closely to her heart and wept as if her soul would pour itself out drowned in her tears and his own huldbrand felt his heart sink within him and at last he fell lifeless from the fond arms of undine upon his pillow i have wept him to death said she to the pages whom she passed in the antechamber and she glided slowly through the crowd and went back to the fountain end of chapter 4 part 18